Welcome to Maiden Science, the official podcast of the University of Stuttgart. My name is Wolfgang Holtkamp. I am Senior Advisor on International Affairs and your host. In this episode, we welcome Simon Batzner. His way into academia included some twists and turns, one can say, but a few years ago he came to the University of Stuttgart to pursue his bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering. During his studies in Stuttgart, he spent a year abroad at NASA's Armstrong Flight Research Center in Palmdale, California. There, he worked with the Stuttgart team of the SOFIA program, which is the Stratospheric Observatory for Infrared Astronomy. After finishing up his degree in Stuttgart, he decided to move back to the United States, where he acquired his master's degree in computational science at MIT. His next stop took him down the road, so to say, from MIT to Harvard University, where he started to pursue his PhD in applied mathematics in 2019. In his doctoral research, he focuses on deep learning. Today, we are happy to welcome him in our podcast to talk about how he found his way into science, the differences between German and U.S. American universities, and his exciting Ph.D. research. Hello, Simon. Hi, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I just mentioned that you went down the road from one American university to the other. Both are excellent. Actually, how long is that road between MIT and Harvard? Would you know? Ooh, I wouldn't know off the top of my head. I've walked it a million times. My guess would be um, about a mile, maybe one and a half. Maybe one and a half, something like that. So easily to walk. Now, how long is the way from stuttgart Feyingen to Cambridge, Massachusetts, in your mind? Longer, uh, quite a bit longer. Um, a few thousand miles. I guess that would be the case. And how does that feel? Uh, are the two roads equally difficult, equally long for you as you look back? Um, I think there was a, there was definitely a bigger cultural change, of course, moving from from Stuttgart to uh, uh, to MIT. But then also MIT and Harvard have, you know, they have a few similarities, but they also, they have very different uh, cultures, I would say. Um, and, and Stuttgart and MIT were actually both, you know, very technical universities. So in a sense, they're somewhat closer, maybe. Exactly. It may not be that long after all. Let us talk about uh, your current activities. You have started to pursue your doctoral work in applied mathematics at Harvard in 2019. Can you, can you tell us about your research and the research that you conduct? Of course, yeah. So uh, the, the field that, that we work in is, is very broadly called uh, computational design of materials. Uh, it's a mouthful. But uh, the, the essential idea is, you know, the way that people have uh, designed new molecules uh, and materials over the year uh, has traditionally been one driven by experiment. So a scientist would have a hypothesis about what might make a good new molecule, what might make a good new material. And then they would go into the lab and, and make that material uh, and see, you know, is it, is it what I hoped for? Um, 
And that, that is a very, you know, as you can imagine, that's a very sort of time intensive, very expensive process. Um, and, and so our goal is to say, well, instead of going into lab and making the material, can we predict in a computer uh, what properties a potential material or a potential molecule might have? And by that process, can we maybe uh, speed up these predictions by, by you know, large orders of magnitude um, and therefore try a lot more different potential molecules or materials um, in the computer and then pick the best ones, hand those off to our experimental colleagues, and then they can, uh, you know, make them in, in sort of in the real world. Um, and so the particular focus that we've been pursuing is one based on uh, artificial intelligence, where uh, we ask the computer, uh, you know, to learn patterns from past data, what, what, what do molecules behave like, what do materials behave like, and then use that to make very, very fast uh, predictions of how these uh, materials might behave. Who actually drives these kinds of research? Um, you mentioned the goal uh, of your research already. What about uh, the outcome? Is there a strictly theoretical outcome, or you said you could also um, go to labs and, uh, and uh, offer uh, the results to be tested there for other fields? So how interdisciplinary is your research, and how interdisciplinary is the result of your research? Yeah, of course. Um, I'd say it's highly interdisciplinary. Um, it's actually one of the aspects I, I enjoy the most Uh, about this work that really brings together uh, a variety of different uh, disciplines. And I think in order to be successful, you have to sort of, uh, you know, dip your toes into all these different disciplines. And, and just, just sort of thinking about our own lab, you know, we have people with backgrounds in, in, in physics and in chemistry and material science, but also in math and, and, and computer science. And I think it's really, really this, this highly interdisciplinary uh, team Uh, that makes this research fun and, and, and successful because, you know, obviously uh, you learn from each other. And how far is doing research at MIT different from doing research at Harvard, if at all? Um, are there other similar approaches uh, or not? Does it matter? A lab is a lab uh, or uh, the community uh, is the same or different? Um, where would you say if... If there are differences, where are those? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. I, I would say overall, the most determining thing is the lab. Uh, so, so that's really the driving factor. Um, but, but nevertheless, um, there is a little bit of a cultural difference between MIT and Harvard. Um, I would say the central one is that MIT has a very, very strong focus on uh, STEM. Uh, and so, you know, the, the majority of the people there work on sort of similar things, you know, they work in computer science, math, engineering, and so they speak a similar language. Um, and so that can be a really rewarding environment because, because there's tons of people that have the same interests as you. And so if you want to go super deep into one particular thing, uh, there will probably be a club for that. There will be a, a discussion group for that. You know, I remember when I was there, I was part of the MIT Energy Hackathon, which is Uh, you know, this team that would, would organize this, um, this, well, hackathon for a weekend where, where, you know, companies would post different challenges that, that students would then work on for a weekend. Um, and it was, you know, purely energy themed, which is, you know, super specific, but people flew in for this from, 
from all over the country. Um, the the nice thing about Harvard is that you know Harvard has sort of a very very broad scope, right? Harvard has a, a famous medical school, a law school, uh, very strong humanities, um, and so you know it's not not just STEM, right? It's a very sort of diverse community, um, and that's actually something that I've really come to enjoy uh, when I moved to Harvard. Is there's sort of a, a a culture where there's you know just a large variety of people with very different uh, you know, very different uh, ideas, very different takes on, on, on how to live life. And uh, I think that can be quite, uh, quite rewarding too, yeah. Now, you yourself seem to be somebody who has uh, an interest in trying uh, various things. Um, I mean, would conclude this because you have acquired a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering and a master's degree in computational science. In how far do those two degrees help you in your current research? And are they as different as I would assume? Uh, no, actually, they're quite similar. They don't sound similar in the first second, but I think the really strong underlying thing you know, among all of them is that they're all just sort of applied math. Um, and so that's sort of that's sort of the reason why I study aerospace engineering. I I had heard you know that it was uh, especially in Stuttgart it was uh, you know lots of math, lots of physics, and I couldn't decide if I wanted to do physics, math, or engineering before before uh, starting. And so then someone told me you know there's this uh, there's this thing called aerospace engineering, and it's basically just a lot of math, and uh, that kind of sounded perfect to me, and and that actually ended up being quite useful because uh, Stuttgart gave me a, a really, really strong foundation, I believe, in, in, in math and, and fundamental um, engineering physics. And, and that's just something that, you know, has sort of propagated along the way um, to, to these sort of other, uh, uh, other fields, which, you know, ended up actually being uh, quite similar at the end of the day. And once again, both degrees helped you in your current research. Was the road we used the word before, was it a direct one? Uh, or uh, was it one where you said, well, uh, I take a little detour here and a little detour there, but I always come back to that main road? Yeah, so, you know, I definitely didn't have like a clear vision of this is where I need to be in 10 years or uh, and, and then followed it strictly. I think I always just sort of did what seemed most fun at the time. And then at some point I realized, okay, there is maybe a theme and it's kind of, I do like math. That's sort of always been true in my life. Um, but along the way, you know, I, I, I went to, to lectures in Stuttgart and I realized, okay, I really love this professor. Uh, and then I emailed, you know, him, can I, can I work with you? Um, you know, it's, it's sort of just, okay, this just seems fun. Let's, let's see what comes out of it. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's, that's in general, you know, not, not the worst approach. Definitely not. You have started, however, very differently. In the introduction, we heard that your way into academia shows how curious you are about various topics, and you have just referred to that as well. Originally, however, you studied medicine for uh, almost three years, but then you decided to shift to engineering. What motivated your shift And uh, can you tell us about that particular process? Yeah, of course. Of course. So um, I graduated high school quite young. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe I watch a little bit too much Scrubs. 
I'm not sure. For some reason, I decided to pursue medicine. Um, <laughs> and then at some point, it was it was a good 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 degree. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with it. But at some point, I realized I sort of missed the problem solving uh, and, and creativity aspects uh, that I was hoping for uh, in college. Um, and I miss sort of, you know, really working through problems by myself, trying to figure something out. And, and, and medicine had, was a lot, of, a lot of memorization, I'd say. I, th I think most med students would uh, agree with me on that. Um, and yeah, so at some point I sort of, you know, I think it was uh, a very personal choice. At some point I realized, okay, this is, uh, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. There, you know, there, there has to be something else. Um, and I think I got quite lucky that I stumbled into something second time around, but, you know, I stumbled into something that I, I really ended up loving. During your studies in Stuttgart, you spent a year in the United States to work with the German team of Sophia. What role did that experience play in your further life in academia? I think it was a really, really shaping experience. Mostly because the team um, at the Sophia Institute was just, they were just brilliant. They were just really smart people. They were really passionate about their work. Um, and they worked on this, uh, this crazy project in hindsight. I don't know. I don't think I realized it back then how crazy it was. So, so for reference, if, if you've never heard about it, so the, what, what the Sophia project is, is um, they do what's called... Um, airborne astronomy so they took an old uh, 747 and then they cut a giant hole in it um, and then they placed a telescope inside that hole um, and so the airplane carries the telescope uh, into the stratosphere and then it peeks out into uh, the night sky and as you can imagine you know that the, the, the airplane is shaking and and um, and there's vibration in it, but it's trying to you know point at this uh, at this uh, star that's you know light years away um, and, and trying to focus on that. And that is just such a such an insane engineering effort to me. Um, and I think in hindsight, yeah, I was just really lucky to to get to work with those uh, with those people on, on such a such a fun project. And, and what we should add also mention that the engineering part for that uh, telescope uh, and the, the what the, the last third on that uh, in that plane really uh, is done by uh, University of Stuttgart engineers. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, quite a contr contribution and also good cooperation project between the US and Germany. Um, down on Earth at MIT, you organized quite a few student activities. Um, how important is it to you to give back and support the next generation of scientists? I think it's, it's a really rewarding process. So uh, before I started doing it, I didn't quite realize how much you get out of it yourself so sure there's the altruistic part of it which is important but it's also just from a purely egoistic standpoint it's a it's just a rewarding rewarding thing to do because you learn so much when you explain things to others you start to reflect upon yourself you start to reflect upon your own research style you start a question assumption you've had the entire time so i i very distinctly remember working with an undergraduate student at some point Uh, advising them on a project and they asked me a question about something I had done a million times and only when they asked me that question I had to explain it to them you know I realized oh this is what I've been doing this entire time you know like there's these things that you've just always done but never thought about in detail 
until someone asks you. And I, you know, I've heard professors tell me the same thing that, you know, like these senior professors in their 50s, 60s, uh, who teach undergraduate, you know, physics courses, and and but they say it keeps them sort of, you know, very close to to the basics, to the to the foundations, um, and I think it's 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 a really crucial part of um, of research. Have you ever received any feedback from the students on that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've worked with a number of students, and so you know, when when they leave or when they have questions or something, yeah, of course they give uh, they give feedback. Yeah. Um, and then I've, I've taught some, some courses at MIT and Harvard, and there there's a very strict feedback system. You get a, you get a, you know, you get a rating, you get a sort of a, a grade, and they leave uh, text responses on what you did well and what you didn't do well. And, yeah. Simon, you have experienced university cultures on two continents with a lot of contact to people with different cultural backgrounds. What is it that you took or take away from those experiences that you want to implement in your future life in academia? So I think one, one thing I took away from, from working with people, um, you know, at this university is that they really, they really like to think big, you know, they, they like to think, let, let's think about the crazy, crazy ideas. Um, And, and things where I think a few years ago I would have said, uh, that's not the best idea. But now I'm like, okay, okay, let's try it. Um, and so I think that's really been a major change in sort of mindset for me personally, uh, is, is that, that, that I've realized, you know, sometimes it's a good idea to go for these, uh, these really crazy ideas. Um, uh, because, you know, what if, what if they work? Um, and so I think that's, that's, that's really a thing I would like to take um, uh, with me. Uh, and I think that that might might also just be a very general sort of positive uh, uh, American attitude, you know, it's sort of the, the typical uh, one that they're famous for. Um, and yeah, that's really something I've, I've quite enjoyed. And from again, from the cultural perspective, uh, would you say, um, the more I'm not saying the more the merrier, but uh, uh, various influences, various different cultural backgrounds uh, um, actually uh, contribute to the successful work? Yes, certainly, uh, without a doubt. Um, uh, you know, again, sort of just thinking about the people I work with, the people I interact with in classes, uh, you know, they come from all over the world. There's, there's, there's European uh, students, students from Asia, students from South America, uh, of course, students from North America. Uh, And uh, yeah, it's really, really fun to work with all these different people, uh, learn from them. Um, and they do have very appro different approaches uh, uh, to work sometimes, yeah. In your personal or professional career, what do you want to achieve? I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of momentum right now in this field. There's a lot of really exciting stuff happening. And I feel incredibly lucky to sort of be part of this. Uh, I think we're really witnessing something special here. Um, and so right now I'm sort of just very excited about the work I do, um, uh, the work our group is doing, the work others are doing. It's just right now, honestly, it's just fun and I just want to keep going, you know. It's just there's so many open questions I still have. Uh, there's so many exciting applications I could see this going. And I think it truly has the potential to, to become something really, really special, this, this overall uh, uh, research field. And... and uh, 
where that takes me personally, I'm I'm not quite sure yet. But but I uh, yeah, as I said, right now it's just a ton of fun, and right now I just want to keep going for for uh, at least a little bit more time. Yeah, I certainly hear the passion and the motivation, uh, and the moment uh, seems to be very right for you. This brings us in our conversation to the final part, which we call Moment 7. We have collected seven questions that we would like to ask you. Please answer as shortly as possible. Moment number one. Spätzle or Maultaschen? Uh, Spätzle, but only if they're made by grandma. Moment two. One thing you could change about the world would be what? Uh, I think equal access to education is, is something that is really holding us, us back. Moment three. Do you have a book recommendation for us? Uh, my my all-time favorite book is uh, The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundera. It's uh, quite beautiful. Moment four. The best advice you have ever received was? Uh, be present. Don't daydream. Don't, don't think too much about the past. Just be present. Moment five. Your favorite place on campus at the University of Stuttgart during your studies was? There's this little pond or, or maybe a lake, I don't know, down in Feyingen where we would go uh, after a big exam to celebrate and uh, watch the sunset and lots of good memories there. And another moment five, your favorite place at MIT was? Oh, wow, so many. Killian Court and the Boston skyline. That's just very, very beautiful. And the next moment five, the favorite place at Harvard is? Oh, Harvard Yard, without a doubt. It's iconic. It's, it's very beautiful. Moment six. Please finish the following line. If I could start all over again, I would do the following differently. I think I would worry less about grades. Uh, yeah, still study, still still try to understand what's going on, but I think worry a little bit less about grades and just more about long-term learning. And moment seven. Please complete one of the following sentences. The best thing about Stuttgart is... or the best thing about Cambridge, Massachusetts is... Hmm... I will answer it with something that's true for both of them. I think both cities uh, do a very good job of attracting world-class people. Um, and that, I think, makes for a very special city because, you know, you're constantly around it by, surrounded by, by new people with, with interesting ideas. Yeah. Simon, thank you so much for having spent time with us today. We are very much looking forward to staying in touch and wish you the best of luck with everything made in science by you and your teams. And whatever you will achieve should be a success and hopefully will be a success. Um, also in your personal life. All the very best for you and auf Wiedersehen from Stuttgart. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me.